Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. He started working with the Nets all the way back at age 12. Since then, you can find him on NBA 2K, the host of Scoopy Radio, and now he is the senior writer at Heavy.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, Brandon Scoop B. Robinson. How are you, my man? Man, I'm doing good. That, that sounds loud. That's a great introduction. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Always good to have you, dude. Always good to have you back on. Uh, and like I was saying in the intro before we brought you in here, Brandon, uh, we had intended to have you last week as the Blazers started this Eastern road trip over going uh, with uh, – they had Boston here in town, and they were going over to see Indiana, uh, Atlanta, Orlando, and all that. And obviously – the Trailcasters had some technical difficulties to get through, but thank you so much for, for being so flexible and rescheduling with us for the following weekend. Of course, man. I have really have been uh, been a very, very, very crazy travel schedule for me um, the last few months, and um, I've been using these weekends to kind of catch up on work, and um, you caught me at the right time, um, so I'm glad to be on. It's always a good time when we talk. Nice, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Ty and I were saying, too, man. It's it's tough sometimes when you get busy. We all get busy and you have to kind of put things aside for the week that you don't want to. But it's good to get back here and talk some basketball. Uh, so let's let's start with the game uh, in Indiana. Let's just kind of go back and tie. You and I will come back and do our betting lines later because we want to get yep. to the next week's games, too. Uh, let's just focus on there's plenty of actual details and, and, and events that have come up with this. A lot of this was without Dame. Uh, from the Blazers' perspective, uh, he is he's now back. We will get to those in a, those games in a second. But if we go back to Indiana, I want to mention this uh, this tribute that they were doing for Stotts. Uh, there was some uh, some social media coverage from the Blazers. They had a uh, a tribute to Stotts when the uh, team walks into I guess the locker room or some sort of common area, and they had up on the screen an old school picture of Stotts in a ridiculous uh, hairdo. But this is basically because uh, Terry Stotts was being inducted into the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. And it was cool, I thought, to have this team kind of have this all set up and ready for them when they came in. Yeah, I uh, I love uh, the Stotts pictures. That's actually what my fantasy uh, basketball league photo is. Yes. I think is <laughs> I think it's one of those old Terry Stotts photos. Uh, he was a very uh, well dressed man back in the day, and I think it was Zach Collins or uh, <laughs> someone posted on. I th- I think it was one of the younger Blazers. They posted one of those photos and had a bunch of laughy emojis by it and stuff. So that was cool, but. I think it's cool to see how much respect Terry Stotts has around, like in, I mean, like in other places, like he's respected down, like in Oklahoma where he played, and then out like over there, like in Indiana, which is a huge basketball um, place. And now, yeah, and then now here in Portland too. So he has three big places that he might be uh, like recognized as, which is a uh, very uh, like, I mean, like that's very sweet for him. Yeah, I like Terry Stotts. Um, <clears throat> I've liked this culture philosophy for some time. Um, and I think the thing that stands out most about him um, is just the respect uh, that he has in, in the locker room. I've, I've taken time to sit down and talk with uh, Damian Lillard um, and as well as Mello, um, just about um, the type of coach he is, uh, the players coach. Um, and I think one of the things that's kind of disheartening about this particular season um, is the fact that, you know, injuries kind of have taken away from where they 
created momentum last season. I mean, this is a team that right. went to the Western Conference Finals and they dealt with injuries. You know, in the, in the summer, you know, he added, or rather Portland uh, added Hassan Whiteside. Um, and you were really salivating at the notion that, um, you know, this could be Portland's year. And uh, the thing that I think to Terry Kostas' credit um, is the fact that, you know, Portland has stayed true to him. Um, you look at the NBA coaching climate right now, even a team like the Brooklyn Nets, who today fired uh, Kenny Atkinson, and that right. Nets team is in seventh place. You know, the Blazers are currently, at the time of this recording, sitting in the ninth place, and, you know, Portland is still sticking with them. And, you know, I, I'm hopeful that, you know, that when everybody's record is 0-0, Terry Stotts, as well as the Blazers, at 100%, hopefully, uh, can, can prove, make some believers and prove some people wrong. Yeah, I, I think uh, it it has been crazy, and we should have actually led with that, Brandon, before we even jumped in on the games. We should have been asking you just kind of your perspective from over where you are on the East uh, of, of how Stotts has been doing with this crazy season with the insane injuries that have come after such high expectations that they had for the team. But it has been a... It has been encouraging to see things like this uh, in different locations, like you mentioned, Ty. Uh, just the respect that that Stotts has gotten around the league at different levels of his uh, different times in his career. But the reason I brought this whole thing up with the Indiana game, with the tribute they gave him, uh, was there's been a weird rumor about Stotts' job security. I, I think largely because of this uh, blown season, as you mentioned, Scoop, uh, a lot of people have been kind of looking for a scapegoat, looking for someone to blame. And we often do see the coaches uh, be the one that that falls on. And I feel like I want to be clear that Stotts' job is not in question. And I feel like I've seen Dwight James or a few other people around NBC Sports and the Blazers come out and say, no, that is not the case here. But would there would would you see anything from your uh, from kind of the, the zoomed out perspective uh, scoop that you have over there? Would you see anything that you think? uh or have you heard anything, I guess, that you think would lend any credence to this or why you think Stotts' job would be uh, would be in trouble? No, I haven't heard anything about his job being in trouble. Um, to the affirmative, it seems that everything is going right um, in Portland, uh, particularly because, like I said earlier, Portland just dealt with some injuries. You know, it's, yeah. it, and, and when you look at the Nets thing comparatively, they dealt with some injuries. Uh, I think the thing that was – or that I know, you know, I'm – New York is home, and, um, you know, I've been on the forefront of a lot of things, Kyrie, KD, and more. Um, Kitty Atkinson lost the locker room. Um, and Brooklyn is preparing for a championship next season. And watching, uh, or at least a championship run, and watching Brooklyn this season, Karis LeVert has gotten a lot of reps uh, in Kyrie and KD's absence. So comparatively in Portland, Dots has the locker room. Dots is more seasoned than Atkinson in, uh, in Portland. Um, and the only thing that was to, to, to Stotts' detriment was just injuries and more. I mean, literally, uh, Chris Hanch reported uh, earlier this week that, you know, Yusuf Nurkic is on his way back March 15th. And right, so right. So when you look at that team, legitimately, I've been saying on every radio show uh, and podcast, and I'll say it again, when you look at the starting five of the Portland Trailblazers, uh, Damian Lillard at the point guard position, CJ McCollum at the two, Melo three, Whiteside at the four, and Nurkic at the five, or vice versa. Uh, that's 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 your favorite NBA 2K player's favorite 2K team. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Yeah, man. I mean, and when you look at that team, that that team legitimately has scoring, uh, a desirable point guard, and defense all in one um, one one sitting, uh, and and and. You, you get served your five-course meal. You ain't got to get up once. Alfred the butler from Batman <laughs> you every meal. And um, I, I legitimately feel as though um, that, that's, that's, that's admirable, particularly just in staying the course. I mean, Portland brought in Carmelo Anthony uh, in a time where people felt sorry for him, and he's legitimately a, a – a, uh, it's funny you say this. Tracy Murray, uh, former Portland Trailblazer, said this on the Scoopy Radio podcast. I wrote it today. Um He's legitimately yeah. flying under the radar in Portland. That's Mello is? Look. Yeah, as a scorer. I yeah. definitely agree, yeah. Well, okay, so let's uh, let's tangent off on this for a second, because I actually was going to mention next, one of the other things we saw in Indiana was Mello uh, signed this kid's jersey post game. This kid uh, caught him on the yeah. way out, and there's some great social media coverage of the, of the kid's reaction, just absolutely... Uh, 
loving it. Absolutely loving Mellow Sign of the Jersey. Kind of comes away with just 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 a frozen face. Uh, it was it was great, man. I'm sure you guys have both seen this by now too. But I do feel like stuff like that we've seen from Mellow, uh, stuff we've seen with him and other players, kind of the way that he's. Uh, gotten great chemistry going with CJ, with Dame, with uh, some of the other teammates as well, some of the young guys looking up to him. There's been a lot of benefit here having him in town that I did not predict. I was definitely a mellow hater before this was happening. I wasn't really sure how much value there'd be uh, bringing him in here, but we've seen him for the majority of the season at this point. More than half of the total season games he's been a blazer for. Uh, Scoop, let me ask you uh, first, and Ty, I'm sure you want to get in on this as well. Do you see Mello as a blazer next year? I'm not sure. Um, I have to also say, um, as it relates to Mello, I mean this respectfully, a lot of y'all bash Mello in the summertime after, <laughs> after, Houston, after Houston let him go. Um, and, I, and I feel as though it wasn't right. Um, when you look at the 2003 NBA draft, LeBron James at 35 was in that draft, and he's leading the league in assists. And he's dunking on people daily. Um, and and I think in a lot of respects has the best one-two punch with uh, Anthony Davis. Um, but, you know, to, 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 to just further that assessment, I think a lot of times in basketball, particularly in NBA Twitter, when one person says things, people adopt it as truth and as fact. And in fact, it's false. And um, I know that to be true. Because everybody on Twitter thinks I have no sources, and clearly people are telling me something. <laughs> so I say that to say this. Um, Mello has proven a lot of people wrong, even yourself. Um, and, and I think that's great for basketball. And I'm glad you get to see it on a day-to-day basis. But to answer your question, I think that Mello has raised his value just like Dwight Howard raised his value in, mm-hmm. in, in, in Los Angeles. Um, and they both got their guaranteed contract. It was non-guaranteed. And I kind of think that's disrespectful, um, and I think some of that stuff with Dwight Howard was warranted only because of injuries, only because of just distractions away from basketball. I, I tend to stick yeah. with basketball, but um, it seems that those those factors have worked themselves out. With Mello, it was New York Knicks perception, and as we're seeing right now in New York, uh, particularly with the debacle with Spike Lee and Dolan and everything else, um, we're seeing that those factors may in fact be quite false. Um, and again, some sort of narrative was created and then everybody believes it. And I'd also like to add the same thing was done, has been done to my brother, Jamal Crawford, a former blazer. Oh. Everybody thinks he's old and they create this narrative of he can't help a team. And um, if you're able to hire Deion Waiters and he's made some yeah. mistakes on court, <laughs> uh, I, I know Jamal Crawford, who has had a squeaky clean record, um, can surely uh, play and get a job in the NBA. So um, I'm going on a tangent, but I'll add to your question <laughs> that the answer to Carmelo Anthony resigning with the Portland Trailblazers is I don't know. Um, I think that he's played himself back into a position. Um, the only comparison that I could make, and it's not the best comparison because Carmelo Anthony has never gone to jail, has never gotten in trouble. Um with the law is when Michael Vick came back to Philadelphia and played for the Eagles and he was backing up um, Donovan McNabb and then he became the starter and then he ended up leaving Philadelphia. Um, but he played himself into a, a starting position and Carmelo Anthony played himself into uh, NBA's player of the month uh, when he returned in November and, you know, at times played like an all-star. I posed that question you know, do you do on Twitter well ago? Do you think that Melo, you know, could be a, a, a starter or rather at least play in the All Star game? And it was a mixed bag. But um, to answer your question, man, I'm just very pleased for Melo. I, I think Stevie Wonder can see that that's the case. So there you have it. <laughs> nice. I like it. I like it. Ty, what do you think? You uh, you on the same page or you want to take a stand on Melo? I am kind of there with him. I have no idea what's going to end up happening with him. I think he raised his value completely here. Uh, something with Melo, which I didn't really. I didn't really see was it was with some people really hated on him and I felt like they hated on his locker room presence like he was a bad guy but it seemed like when he was around NBA players and stuff like they always loved him and stuff so like or so yeah I mean for him being like a mentor now 
I think that's not weird. Like, I feel like he definitely, like, is embracing that, like, uh, for fans and then for players. So then I love to see that. But for him coming back to Portland, I don't think he ends up coming back to Portland. I think he'll end up getting a nice contract from some other team or he'll get somewhere where he actually wants to go maybe more, like, to, like, or maybe, like, a bigger market and stuff. I'm not really sure what his – what he is seeking, but I just don't really see him sticking around in Portland. Yes, this was a great – stent for him and i think it was a great for his career boost for the next couple of years but i just i don't think he's in the blazers plans either maybe going forward yeah that's and honestly that's probably the best point of the whole thing is i don't know if the blazers are even wanting him to fill that spot uh on the roster next year but he has been a really good fit this season and to what uh you were saying scoop two years in a row now i've seen a player come to the blazers in Melo and previously anis Cantor, uh where i had a total misperception a misconception of who they were off the court and who they were kind of uh, as far as their character uh because of maybe the national media some sort of you know different hot takes from uh teams they've been on previously and you know we all know the truth about social media it's generally going to highlight the extremes like you know, if if someone does something it's- amazing you see highlights yeah yeah yeah, let's just call it what it is man it's total bullshit but i mean yeah point being here when Cantor came to town i had a total uh idea of what his limitations were what his ceiling was and we saw what he he did in portland he helped us get to the western conference finals this year with Melo, the same thing i had a total perception of who Melo was on and off the court and i have definitely had to adjust those parameters as i've seen more of him this season and it's been nice i'm not i'm not even disappointed i am happily uh, able to adjust my uh, parameters from what my expectations were because it's it's awesome watching him here. But yeah, as yeah. far as going forward, what's up? And, and, I, and I think the same thing is going to end up happening um, if J.R. Smith signs with the Lakers. Uh, they're, they're, the Lakers are still interested. I know there's a Blazers podcast, but you know I get a lot of Lakers in. <laughs> How dare you? And, and I'm going to Portland speak it. So basically, um, <laughs> what I can say to you is um, people... So, a few years ago, um, I had J.R. Smith's brother, Chris, uh, on the Scoopy Radio podcast. And Chris was teammates with J.R. Um, uh, in New York with the Knicks, and um, briefly. And one of the things he said was, um, as it related to J.R., people take what happens in New York and people take what happens on social media and they create this narrative or perception that this person is like this. And um, J.R. Smith ain't no saint, neither are we. Um, yep. But what happens in New I mean, listen, when teams come to town to play the Knicks or the Nets, they're doing extracurricular things outside of basketball. They go to the NBA store. They go to, um, you know, models. They go to, you know, just various functions to do things that are an extension of their brand. Um J.R. Smith played for the Knicks. He's, he's an East Coaster. He's from New Jersey. Uh, went to prep school in Newark, New Jersey, and, you know, played for the Knicks. So, he, you know, he, he, he played basketball in New York and New Jersey. So, you know, there's a, he's a hometown guy. I think that people created this thing about J.R. Smith that he was this, that, and the third based upon that. I think in Cleveland, he, he kind of um, fixed that perception by winning a championship. And then that – shot that he took or the thing that happened in the finals a couple of years yeah. ago, people that became a meme then it became a, a, a thing but people make and suddenly things. that defines who he is right like people just see that one yeah. meme that's who he is to everyone i mean i i can relate to it as a writer you know people for the 10 things that i got right about where this person is going based upon the information that i got they'll always throw the Kawhi leonard lakers thing in my face i'm not perfect <laughs> i don't look to it but the thing is um those same people who talk about this player, that player, I, I'd like to see them be in that same position. It's easy to talk. It's harder to do. So I, I think comparatively with NS, now I'm speaking Portland talk, comparatively <laughs> with NS Cantor, a guy that came from the Knicks, uh, a guy who, who um, likes to talk, a guy that's quotable, and a guy that has questioned the Turkish government, um, that's a whole different issue. Uh, I know that that was a thing. I know that the Knicks, or excuse me, the Nets are in the news right now because of the whole Kenny Atkinson thing. I can tell you that prior to uh, NS Cantor signing with the Portland Trailblazers, um, there was talk about a potential uh, Brooklyn Nets pairing. And from 
someone I know who spoke with uh, Kenny Atkins, excuse me, that spoke with Sean Marks, Nets general manager, he didn't want that headache. That was the, that, so again, you see how GMs talk, media talks, and it creates this thing. So then us as the consumer who blurs media or who are media and who also are the conduit between the consumer and the player, we control what people consume. And sometimes when we put those things out there, you're actually messing up people's money. That's the crazy yeah. part. Yeah, a, a lot of the perception that that gets put out there can definitely have an influence on on next contracts. Because you know, I mean, even uh, owner scouts and the rest, and they, they're all going to see these things. They're all going to be influenced by it. It's it's kind of impossible not to in this day and age as well. Mm-hmm. But let's. Let's uh, actually kind of shift a little bit here. I don't want to get focused too much on the game by game because we have some other topics to get to. But uh, one thing I saw over these next couple games between Atlanta, uh, Orlando, uh, and before Washington. Washington was uh, The Washington Wizards this week was Dame's return. But before that, the rest of that road trip was the final three games of six that CJ played without Dame. And CJ has gone off for those six games. I don't remember exactly what his averages were for the six, but I saw it in front of me. It was... It was absurd, man. He had uh, that one, what, I think the 140-point night against Orlando. He had 23 in the first half alone. What do you think as far as CJ's abilities without Dame? We've seen him on this different level. Is this something that he can get to again now that Dame is back in the roster? Or is this something that is really only achievable for him when when he's the first option, when it's his team? Ty, what do you think? Is this this maybe something that we aren't going to see with the two of them paired together? Or is it unlocked now? I think it's more unlocked. I think you maybe won't see him going for 40 and 10 with Dame in the lineup. Uh, but I think we'll see more playmaking from CJ and maybe he gets more like in that zone, like when he has the second unit, like when there is no Dame on the court or whatever. But what's nice about Dame and what's nice about CJ is they both will let the other one go. So let's say that this is CJ's night and all of a sudden he is going for like 15 like in the first half or whatever and he has four assists. I think Dame will take a step back and let him lead it. So then I think we can see more of this from CJ, which then that becomes deadly when he's playing like this with uh, – and then he has Lillard like on the wing um, like playing off the ball. So I think, yeah, I think this did uh, – or like I hope this did – maybe like push CJ more to be more of this like score slash playmaker uh, with Dame as well. I know we won't see it as much, but I'm hoping he starts putting more of that into his game because he is a lethal weapon. And let me insert this real quick here too. I did find the stats from February 21st to March 2nd. CJ averaged 33.3 points on 48% from the field, 41% from deep, 8.3 assists, 5.3 rebounds over 30 and a half minutes. That's fantastic, man. Yeah. I think the shooting can be there. And the rebounds can be there, and I think the points and assists maybe will take a little bit of a dip, but I think his efficiency can almost stay up with Damian Lillard because I think they both will allow each other to eat. Yeah, yeah I see where you're coming from with that. I, I think um, his assists may go up with, 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 when uh, Damian comes back, but uh, I, I also think um, the late Malcolm X uh, was a family friend of mine, my fa- uh, my family's friend. Um, my family were owned and operated a business in Manhattan, a shoe store. And he knew my grandfather. He used to say, by any means necessary. And uh, I think that applies here because I think the, the Blazers are using a by any means necessary a, a, attack strategy here. And you giving the stats about February 21st until now makes a lot of sense. I wrote this last week. Uh, CJ spoke to... A buddy of mine, uh, Josh Hicks, over at Regal Radio in Chicago, um, and 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 all hands on deck uh, kind of apply here. Um, he told Josh Hicks, um, and I'm quoting, um, that they're in the ninth, they're in the ninth seed, uh, and they're looking to make a push, uh, so that you know when Damian comes back, uh, they can still do what they need to do. Um, he said Melo has had a good impact on the Blazers. Uh, another veteran guy, obviously, who has helped us with his scoring, but more so his presence in the locker room, being able to be around the young guys and kind of help us his storytelling and becoming our friends. Um, and, you know, Nurkic coming back is definitely going to help him at the right time. Um, and, and I think that um, I think he's holding his word about what he plans to do. I mean, the eighth seed is attainable. Memphis is ahead. Um, and I'm interested to see if Memphis will hold that eighth spot. Um, and if 
you know, the Portland Trailblazers will get that or move up. Um, you, you look at the Mavericks. Um, will the Mavericks continue to be consistent as they are? They're 39 and 25. The Grizzlies are 31 and 32 at the time of this recording uh, and have lost one. Uh, Portland is 28 and 36. Uh, I've spoken to guys within the Memphis Grizzlies organization uh, that, you know, they're prepared uh, to, to make it to the playoffs. And if the playoffs were to end today, Josh Jackson said to me, they play the Lakers. That's a testament to how well they're doing. But, you know, it depends on what happens with Memphis and it depends on what happens with Dallas. I don't see the Thunder letting up anytime soon. And the Jazz in the fourth and the fifth and the fourth spot, you know, are, are playing consistent basketball. So I'm rambling, but it's interesting <laughs> to see what Portland is going to We all do ramble around as here. To, as, as it relates to, you know, that A spot with Memphis sitting ahead of them. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. Ty, were you? I can't see without this video camera, Ty. I no, can't you're good. Jumping in. Okay, no, no. Nope. Keep interrupting. I wasn't going to jump in, but I can real quick. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, like, I'm also very intrigued about this playoff spot because with Memphis, they what, like they're 18 games back, and we are 21 and a half games back. Uh, I'm hoping the Blazers can make a push here. Um, I think they can catch Memphis because I think they are slipping a little bit. Uh, they have suffered some injuries, and then I think losing Jay Crowder was a bigger blow to them than I think people would like like would realize and then now they uh i think they still don't have brandon clark so they have been struggling and then now the blazers have been hitting more of a groove that sun's loss uh last night was just rough because uh we saw memphis lose and we saw the spurs lose and we saw um i think the kings lose the other night so this would have been a spot for the blazers to jump up and really I think get like a game and a half back for Memphis. Now they're, yeah. what, they're two and a half games back. So yeah, this is going to be a fun playoff uh, post your last couple uh, games. Well, let me just, uh, let's get it on record from, from all of us here real quick. Uh, are you both saying you think they will make the Blazers will get the eighth seed? I'm going to, I'll say, it, yeah, I'll, I'm going to trust Damian Lillard that he somehow figures out a way like him, CJ McCollum. And then also like this resurgence of Nurkic when he comes back. Yes, he won't be the Nurk of we've seen from the past, but I think having him back will give this team maybe some energy. And I think Lillard, he's the best player within this race of Memphis. Of, I think of new Orleans of Sacramento. Uh, and I think he can put the team on the back and get it done. Yes. Oh boy. Oh, you're both I'll saying yes. One word. I'll say one word without rambling this time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's man. Like I was, <laughs> that's a big enough statement. That is a big enough statement. But like I was saying earlier, Scoop, don't ever be afraid to ramble here. That is what we do. We, this, uh, the Trailcasters are not afraid of having a two-hour podcast. We've done it before, or almost. We'll see. <laughs> uh, maybe not today, though. I think we all have all have to do. Uh, man, okay, so you're both going yes, that quick and easy. I love the confidence, and it's so weird because usually I'm the one driving the optimism train here. I feel like I'm usually the one that is over-the-top, just fanboy confident about it. Man, I'm having my doubts right now. I have... We are two and a half games back. We are in the thick of it with uh, with those other teams like you were mentioning. We've got uh, Grizzlies holding that eighth spot. Us, the Kings, the Pelicans. I've heard so much about the Pelicans, and then, then we're seeing them fall off. So it's so hard to know what to believe on that end. The Grizzlies, man, they are they. John Moran is special, special. He's an awesome player. But yeah, they've got like I think one of the toughest schedules left. And I think of those teams in that bracket fighting for the eighth seed, they have by far the the toughest road ahead. Oh, see, now I'm rambling, Scoop. Uh, you know what? I can't go against you guys. If you're both going to say yes, I can't sit here and be negative on it. Let's let's all go with it. He you, said you, what he said. <laughs> you convinced me. He it's yes, we're going said. with it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool, man. Well, good. I'm writing this one down. We've got receipts for it. And uh, I guess no one's betting against us yet, but that's all right. Well, uh, well we're confidence is good, man. I like it. I like it. <laughs> all right. Sir. Let's get this back on track a little bit. I want to focus on, well, you know what? You mentioned the uh, the Phoenix game. Before we get to that one, there's not even a lot to say about that game other than I want to vent about Whiteside. But uh, I mentioned the Wizards game right before Phoenix. We played the Wizards here at home. Dame returned. Not only did Dame look awesome, hitting some amazing deep bombs, but uh, four of the Blazers starters had 22 or more points. Ariza had 15 on three of five shooting. He was the low scorer for the starters, man. This is a game, and yes, I know it's against the Wizards, but when you've lost to the Hawks recently, and you know, hey, then when you lose to Phoenix last night, I'm going to take every win we can get, especially when it looked that good. The question I have for both of you after watching that Wizards game, 
Not about Dame. Can we please keep Ariza? Can we please keep him as a Blazer? So we already went through Mello, and we all kind of agreed that maybe he doesn't have a spot here going forward. Uh, it's just it might not be the right fit. What about Trevor Ariza, though? He's got this great kind of comfy, kind of casual Portland-type vet personality, in my opinion. He seemed to fit in well with the team. He brings defense. He's a two-way wing. Uh, Scoop, where do you stand on Ariza? Do you think he has enough left in the tank for Portland to get, uh, to get one more year out of him? And do you think he wants to be here next season? It's better than playing in Phoenix. It's better than playing in Washington. <laughs> and Sacramento. It's true. Uh, I, think, you know, I think, you know, just um, covering Trevor um, over the years and uh, getting to know him at different stops. Um, I like Trevor, and it's crazy to see him as a, as a, um, as a, as like an OG vet now, because I know um, he was he, a buddy of mine. He was his rookie. And uh, this particular player and I talk every other day and he'll tell me just the type of person he was like he was he was always just grown. That's why that stuff that happened with Trey Young on, on TV, although it was it was magnified. Um, oh, man. I think it, came, it came from a good place. Um, can, I, can we I, can we break that down actually real quick? Let's tangent off. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you, bro. Uh, but that I got that, killed by Hawk fans on that because I tweeted something just kind of in the same thing. I said for Young should just know. He is trying to nutmeg like a guy like Trevor Ariza, who is a yeah. dog. He is yeah. a guy who played with Kobe Bryant, who was one of Kobe's favorite teammates for a reason because he is has that chip on his shoulder. He's been around for like 16 years. He doesn't play that, <laughs> and now you're, and then now like you're trying to nutmeg him. So don't be surprised when he checks you like that. And I was getting killed by Hawk fans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I, I'm I'm with you, Ty. Like I. I get that Ariza, or I'm sorry, I get that Young is the hot, flashy player, but I understand your like, like what, it's like what Ariza was saying in the post game too. Like this is the kind of thing you do with kids, with your friends, and maybe on the court with dudes you don't respect. You don't do that to a veteran player in the NBA. Uh, as, at the very least, man, it's like okay, we. It's not like Trey Young is the first flashy player. We've seen Steph Curry do some crazy stuff that would also be disrespectful to opponents, but he got away with it and it made it look good. And then you can't call him on it. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I think there's a certain line of like, you could if you do this now and then, fine. But if you're trying to go for that, uh, and then even when Ariza checks him, he's like playing up to the audience, putting the hands up in the air. Yeah, it's your home court, but dude, there's certain lines like you gotta you gotta know what not to cross. And I feel like Ariza got the message through to him too, because when you saw Young in the post game, he was not apologizing, but he was sheepish, man. I think he knew that he'd kind of been put in his spot a little bit about it. Uh, but, uh, Scoop, what do you think? You, you're giving us the uh, the outside perspective here, obviously a lot closer to the Hawks over on that end. What, is, is this just maybe an East Coast, West Coast style difference where we're taking this to personally? Where do you stand on this? Um, you guys ever watched the, the uh, movie Friday? Of course. Yeah. You remember when uh, that guy with his bike back from Big Warner? Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's my bike, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry, that's not Big Warm. I'm sorry, that's Debo. Remember when he there, okay, okay, there you go. Debo. He said, "That's my bike, Paul. He ain't got Debo." But I mean, it, 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 it's. I don't. I think. I think. This is just me. Um, there are certain things that are NBA player understood that some media folks and some fans just may not know or understand. Those were one of those moments. I think it was, don't play with me, but it was a, don't play with me, but it was a respect, don't play with me at the same time. I respect what you're doing, young OG. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, I spoke to a player earlier this week who told me that any player who was a Nike player that decided to take and wear Air Jordans on the court was fined by Nike for doing so. Did you know that? They weren't Jordans. No. Interesting. Uh, I didn't know that either. Somebody took a player that I talked that I talked to on a regular told me that the other day. Everybody's just not going to understand certain things, and and that's okay. I think that was a cultural moment that got mixed feelings from people as it related to Ariza and Trey Young. Um, and so I, I think that was. I respect you. I see you coming. You still ain't shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I one of those moments. But I, I think I think it came from a good place. So yeah, I, I think 
I'm going on a tangent, but yes, I think that I think that I think uh, Ariza is good for that Blazers team. Every good team has a couple of role player vets. Um, there we go. You you look at the Nets last year with um, Jared Dudley. Jared Dudley was a vet on that team that got that respect. He transitioned. He and Ariza and Melo and LeBron are all around the same age. You look at the Lakers team this year. A lot of people were trying to say Dudley should be cut. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. He's a solid vet. He solidified his role. Yeah, Ariza he's got a spot. In the same position. You look at you look at you look at Tyson um, Chandler. He's chilling in Houston. Or what? <laughs> yeah, he's still in Houston. He's chilling in Houston. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, you know, he went from young silly guy to in in Chicago to to the, the Hornets to 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 Houston, the Phoenix, to Dallas, to the Knicks. He sticks around. He's like the new PJ Brown. I, I look at I look at Trevor Reza in that same vein comparatively. I, I think, you know, particularly because you dealt with that injury earlier in the season and you kind of short a player or two. Um, he, he just fills a certain role. So yeah, and and look at this. You said you're going off on a tangent. You brought this back around, man. You brought it back to the original. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was nicely done, sir. Uh, as far as Ariza's fit on the team here. Yes, they should me... bring Trevor Ariza back. By the way, I'm just gonna throw it. Like, I'll just throw my opinion in there real quick. I think they should bring Ariza back to the Blazers. Well, okay, and let me clarify too. When I asked this originally, uh, Ariza has one more year on the contract, so he's yeah. he's here next year. The Blazers are bringing him back, or, or at least it's under their control, I guess, is the way to put it. The Blazers have the option of bringing him in. So yeah, I think we are all agreeing here. He fits well. He's a he's what this team needs. He's that veteran role player, like you said, Scoop. He's the two way wing that is something the Blazers have been lacking, even when the roster is healthy. So yeah, I I would love to see Ariza come back for next season. Ty. Ty Weston, Mr. T- Ty. T-Y. <laughs> Mr. T-Y. Uh, did, you say, did you want to say anything about the Phoenix game, or, or can I get to the last, uh, the bigger, brighter topic that I know we are all waiting for? Uh, just a rough Phoenix game. I can't believe we saw 36-17 and 17 from Aaron Baines. That was absolutely oh my ridiculous. God, is that what he finished I'll just, that? I'll just move on from there. It was just a rough one. <laughs> Look, I, I know we got to give Baines credit. That was a great night from him. It was a career night from him, obviously, but... I want to. I got to vent about Whiteside on this, man. I know Whiteside has done amazing things for us this year, and one of your you guys are gonna have to pull me back because I I've, I've got to vent about this. Where, yes, he's done good things for us this season. He's put up good numbers, uh, and we've discussed before whether those numbers are hollow or not. We've talked about his fit here before. I feel like watching his game. The problem with Whiteside, what, what he does well is his upper body is super athletic. His upper body, his reach, his athleticism is top tier NBA defensive talent, but his lower body is fucking cement, man. Like, he cannot move his feet. And I know that he's a seven-footer. They all generally have a harder time uh, moving quickly, repositioning the footwork fundamentals. But this dude is so slow on the footwork. It just, it was so exposed last night. And honestly, uh, what made it worse for me was the way that he reacted. He knew how this was going. He knew that he wasn't looking good. And then in the postgame, Jamie Hudson, shout out to her, asked Whiteside about being pulled away from the rim with Aaron Baines' three-point shooting. And his basically saying, like, uh, not being able to to protect the rim or rebound as effectively did this, uh, how did it change your game? Whiteside says, I feel like I affected the game still. For the plus-minus boys out there, I wasn't negative or positive. I was just a zero, so I feel like I still affected the game. First of all, (sighs) shout-out, Hassan. Thank you for the shout-out for the plus-minus boys. I know that you're talking about me. On the other side... You can't say that you were just a zero and affected the game. That means you did not. That literally means statistically that he had no effect on the game. It's it's I this this drove me nuts on the argument for that last night. Okay, catching my breath. Haven't heard any of you, either of you object too much yet, so I'm gonna keep rolling with this. Um, Jamie Hudson then at, or mentions that Ariza uh, was kind of coaching Whiteside a little bit, being like, what what did uh, Ariza have to say as far as all this and. Whiteside says that Ariza told him not to worry about getting out on Baines, that someone else would rotate out to him, that someone else would cover Baines. And you know what happened? We saw Dame and CJ trying to cover Baines shooting threes. No one else in this team is really tall enough to cover a, uh, a three-point shooting center if Whiteside is the only – like, oh, uh, okay. He's I'm not going to shoot like that probably like the rest of his career. That's I would fine. might say so I can but, see maybe in some points you're like all right like he's not going to continue to hit these shots we'll just but 
I, but what I do you mean? He made nine point. threes? He made, he made, yeah, I think, which is just ridiculous. Obviously, four, at that point, you have to start putting someone on him. Yeah, uh, I'm not a coach. I'm not anything, so I, I don't get really much into that stuff. Uh, I think it's wild for a guy. I mean, yeah, like, I mean, yeah, like he did finish with a zero, but he had 23 points and he had 20 rebounds yeah. and four block shots. I mean, he definitely Dude. impacted the game. But that's okay. But that's what I'm saying. If he has, say it again. What's the line? Twenty three points, twenty rebounds, four blocks. Yeah. And he Ooh. got. He still gave up just as much defensively, where he was a zero plus minus for a single. That's that's insane, dude. Okay. Anyway, the, just the, the one more quote, and I'll get off this. Thank you both for letting me vent. Uh, after the thing about Ariza, how Whiteside is saying Ariza told him not to worry about rotating out to Baines. Whiteside follows up by saying, "I was worried about him getting a wide open shot." Bullshit. Bullshit, dude. <laughs> you can't say that. This, like, I'm sorry, man. This guy is covering his own ass so much, and it's just so transparent. I enjoy Whiteside. I love watching him play. I love his off-court personality. We, we've the gap that I was worried would not be filled when Evan Turner left. Whiteside has filled it. He is a great quote, man. The dude is awesome think, in interviews. But he's definitely this was like a very garb- interesting guy, and I think this is why I am kind of skeptical when, when all of a sudden, like when Nurkic comes back and. There when Collins comes back healthy this summer slash slash or no or it's this summer because or because he's a free agent I don't know how much he's gonna feel loved here from Portland when we're all like throwing our love towards Nurkic and Collins he might still be loved but he in his own head might not be the guy anymore and he might not like it and honestly and I feel like he's the type of dude who might take offense to not getting as much attention as Yusuf Nurkic when he comes back, and he might end up going somewhere else. And that, that is exactly the perfect segue. Thank you so much, Mr. T.Y. Weston, Weston <laughs> Delbridge. Uh, uh, Nurk, <laughs> Nurk is... <laughs> <laughs> Nurkic is scheduled to come back here March 15th. That is next Thursday, my friends. March 15th versus the Rockets. Nurkic has officially announced the return. And of course, Stotts did the Stotts thing where he kind of plays it off like, well, that's the plan. We'll see how it goes. No, we are going with it. We're rolling with this. Nurk is coming back on the 15th. You can't take this back now. Uh, But Ty, like you said, when Nurk comes back next week, I'm saying this Phoenix game really illustrated some problems that I have with Whiteside. Despite the awesome numbers he's put up, despite the production and the defensive stuff he has done for us this season, this showed the serious gap he has in his skill set, just the slow footwork. He cannot cover a three-point shooting center, and there are more and more of those in the NBA. I'm not saying Nurk is the most fleet of foot dude out there. Yeah, he won't be able to do it effectively either. But but I, I do think seeing Nurk play and then Whiteside play, because we're probably not going to see them together too much. It might get tried, but mostly you got to assume that we're going to see Nurk play and then Whiteside coming off, uh, Whiteside coming off the bench. I think this is going to really illustrate it. I think it's going to really expose what... I think you should start both. I've been think... saying it. I think they okay, can play okay. together. Finally, someone agrees with me. Re- okay, let's go with this then. You, you, I'm not saying it won't happen, that you'll have both playing together, but you guys are telling me that Stotts, Mr. Rigid Coach Stotts here, who has a hard time adjusting his rotations at all, uh, even when we lose a player, he doesn't want to mess up the the rotation, so he brings in someone from like Take the Take it back to the old to days. Give us the bigs down low. We're gonna punch you in the mouth. You think Stotts is gonna do that? You think Stotts? No, is I, don't think gonna do it. I don't think he's gonna do it. I don't think he's gonna do it. I love it, man. We're gonna so, beat you up. That's our so game plan. This is, this is, I'll bring some clarity to this a little bit. So, um, last year I sat down with Ray Allen. We didn't discuss, I mean, we spoke about shooting, but we also spoke about the return of the big man. Um, and, you know, he was keen on Scoop um, Radio. DeAndre Ayton and, and, and Joel Embiid. Uh, and, you know, even Taco Fall, um, you know, who showed a lot of people what he could do in the NCAA tournament um, last year. Uh, he, him at UCF going against uh, Zion Williamson. And, you know, in my opinion, I think Taco exposed Zion a little bit. Uh, Zion still got the win. His Duke team got the win in the tournament. But uh, to bring it back to, to the NBA game, uh, Ray Allen said to me that somebody's daddy telling their kid, son, get off the three-point line and get your butt in the post. And that's what's lost in today's game. Um, and, you know, you, you've seen flashes of it this season. You've seen Joel Embiid. Although I think he is a hybrid between Chris Webber and Hakeem Olajuwon, footwork like Hakeem, um, inside outside like Chris Webber, 
Um, you know, he is considered a big man. And, you know, I think Shaq was the last of, you know, the traditional big men. You know, then came in Dwight Howard. And, um, you know, and then Anthony Davis. And But when you look at the big man position, I mean, Hassan Whiteside um, is a league leader in, in blocks. Uh, defensively is, you know, doing his thing. Damian told me uh, at the beginning of the season that, um, you know, he thinks he expects Hassan Whiteside to have a big year because he's in a contract year. And, um, you know, he expects that, you know, Whiteside uh, will show and prove. And, you know, in Damian Lillard's absence at the beginning of the season and pre-Mello, you know, he was doing that. And um, when you look at Nurkic, um, I don't know that I'm ready to give him the keys to the keys to the city um, and just let him be the starting big man right off the really? bat. I think there's an easing in process, meaning let me clarify, meaning that I don't think he should be the sole big man in that starting lineup. I, I really do think that you mix earth, wind, and fire when you add um, <laughs> the, 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 the solid clutch shooter that Damien is, not just a clutch shooter, but a guy that can, can direct offense. I actually think um, starting all the, of those four guys takes some pressure off of him, and he scores when he needs to. It's almost like um, giving Derrick Rose the secondary option that he needed in, in Chicago that was a bona fide superstar. And if it had been LeBron James or Dwayne Wade, it would have been a problem. And if you had given uh, Michael Vick a weapon in Atlanta and you he didn't just have Algie Crumpler as his receiver. Imagine Terrell Owens in an Atlanta uh, Falcons uniform. Imagine. <laughs> so Even more back to, yeah, There you go. So to, to take it to take it back to, to, to the basketball court, imagine Lillard playing alongside CJ McCollum. Those guys guided that team to the Western Conference Finals. Imagine Damian Lillard having Melo as an option, a healthy Melo, which he does. Imagine Hassan Whiteside picking and rolling. Imagine imagine Nurkic picking his poison, uh, you know, bringing you out, hitting that 16 footer, uh, but also dunking and also doing what he needs to do. Um, and then, you know, you look at that bench. I know Pau Gasol is wishing he didn't retire, uh, but that's the oh. way to put the problem. <laughs> and I think that I think that Portland legitimately, I've been saying it all season, I'm going to say it to the Cows, come home. If they make it to the playoffs, I think Portland could be could be a threat um, to the Houstons and the Dallases and the Utahs of the world. Oh, see, that's interesting, too. I, I noticed you didn't mention Lakers, and I understand that your national perception might be a little different, but I've heard a lot of talk about, uh, as far as matchups go, what Damon CJ can do against the backcourt of the Lakers, and then you have up front, you'd have not only Hassan, but you'd have Nurkic and Hassan up front like that. I think there's a lot of, I think there's some interesting matchup, uh, matchup potential even there as far as that 1-8 if it gets there. Well, I, I have a national perspective, but I also have an inside perspective. Um, True. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I mean that in the perspective of actually watching those guys play. Um, and I do think that you bring a valid point. Uh, Portland uh, can go toe-to-toe with the Los Angeles Lakers. And I do think that um, the, the advantage that the Portland Trailblazers do have, as you said, uh, was the play of Lillard. I think sometimes Lillard off the dribble could bust LeBron James's ass. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, the the big problem we're going to get to with the playoffs in any of these perfect scenarios we're talking about in these perfect fantasies where we have Whiteside and Nurkish playing perfectly next to each other with great chemistry, not getting each other's way, not taking up space, and then Melo filling the wing and Damon CJ. Boy, that is an interesting lineup. And I, I you know, I you know what? I will say this. I guess there is some logic to the idea that if you can't surround Dame with good shooters enough on the wings uh, that can free him up, the other option would be getting so many guys that aren't on the wings that you get like easy buckets down there that yeah, defense can't clog Dame in the same way. Maybe that happens. And if if there was a time when it could happen, it would be against the micro ball rockets that that, that they are playing right now. Uh, and the, I think, league worst numbers that they're giving up in the paint. So, yeah, put two dudes in the paint and see what happens. Maybe that will yeah, be Yeah, but a- also, I think the one issue with it is the defense. And we saw last night with Baines getting out to shooters. Now, all of a sudden, we have the Rockets who are playing small right. ball with Whiteside and Nurkic trying to run out to Daniel House and P.J. Tucker. And then all yeah. of a sudden, they pit, and then all of a sudden like, they dish it to Westbrook, who's driving the lane. And then we have our two bigs who are not there. That's the only scary thing is you see two seven-footers who aren't big moving. That's why... Zach Collins is so very important because he's a seven footer who can get out to the wing and get onto these guys. So yeah. I think he's also very important. But yeah, I'm very excited for these two because I think like with Nurkic's offensive skill set, 
he reminds me of Jokic. So I could see him almost like being more of a point guard. And then also like with Whiteside, Dame, and CJ on the ball. I'm very excited for it. Almost like a Tim Duncan in the half court. Ooh. Ooh, I like yeah. it. There we go. Oh, yeah, he, he's very skilled. And I think people yeah. kind of forget about it. Yeah, because I think that it's been a year since people have mm-hmm. really watched him. The dynamics of the, of the Blazers have changed. You went from Nurkic getting hurt to signing in that, in that cancer to cancer leaving to struggling, to then bringing in Melo, to now Melo's there and he's part of the system, Ugh. to now you add Nurkic in there, and that's a team that can run, but and a team that, that's got shooters. But when you talk about Jokic, it's something I, I noticed about Jokic is, is similar. Like, I remember, you know, in the last, the, the previous decade, watching Duncan and Ginobili and um, Parker, and Duncan dictating the flow of that game and a half court and make and because of that forcing the other team that they're playing against to slow down. Literally slow down. Again, it goes back to what I said about the big man. Jokic is is, is a more skilled <laughs> Tom Tolbert when Tom Tolbert played for the Warriors. Tom Tolbert was the point point center, if you will, on Don Nelson's team. Um, and he dictated the flow of that game. But more seriously, in the half court system um, Duncan and the Spurs, he he was the the power forward, point forward in that in that in that flow of the game. A lot of hockey assists that he would get based upon you know court visit and during that double team. Jokic does some of the same things. I haven't watched enough Nurkic to really make you know that 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 comparison as as it relates to how he would you know change the flow of the per, of the of the Blazers because he wasn't part of that Western Conference team. But I know what I know what Damian can do. I know what Melo can do. I know what CJ McCollum is capable of doing, and I've seen in real time with what Whiteside could do. But it's all about tempering the right things. Like it's not a bad option, you know. As much as I, I said what I said before about you know starting uh, uh, Nurkic and and and, and Whiteside together, it's not a bad look uh, in each unit to have a big man that you can count on. It's no different than in Georgetown where you had the luxury be of real. having. Uh, Alonzo Mourning and Patrick Ewing and John Thompson system. Two big men that can do damage. Well, and I think to your point too, something you mentioned earlier, Scoop, was uh, as far as Nurkic being eased into the starter role, kind of thing that got us off on this tangent here, which I love. It's been an awesome tangent, one for the ages for sure. Uh, but to reel this back a little bit, Nurk is definitely not going to be ready for starters minutes right off the bat. And one thing Whiteside has said pretty adamantly is that he likes playing the 30 minutes a game he's getting here in Portland versus the 20 minutes a game or so he was getting in Miami. So, yeah, that that could be where that balance is struck. Forget who starts, who doesn't. It could be about the minute distribution. I, I will say, though, if we put Nurkic in a situation, Nurkic is the long term center here. In my opinion, I don't think there's much debate on that between he and Whiteside. Uh, you can talk about skill sets, but as far as the long-term center, Nurkic is the one that fits. He's younger. He, he's had the chemistry with Dame. Uh, but I, I think uh, if we put Nurk in a situation similar to what he saw in Denver, where he has to feel like his starting spot is threatened or where his position in the team is threatened by this other center, like what it was with Jokic in Denver, I don't think that's going to be a good situation. So I, I feel like he will be... Yeah. I feel like Nurkic will be the the kind of the uh the in-house starter but he might only be starting and playing 20 or 25 at first and then maybe that picks up yeah. to 25 28 and then 30 and why said takes the leftovers i agree with you and i'll add this just because you start doesn't mean you're going to finish yes that's also a good point yeah 100 percent on that and look i mean we can go off on all the fantasies too but i i can't wait to see how much they play the two of them together versus the on uh starting and on the bench role uh, and man, the lineups too. There's so much new possibility here. And after this sickening season, I, I think we're all pretty ready for it. Uh, let me I'll throw add to this. some. I add, add this if I can, really quick. Yeah, what's up? Uh, I think that uh, when you said that uh, Nurkic is the, is the, the, I guess the, and I'm paraphrasing the, 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 the long-term piece. Yeah. Uh, for Portland, um, I, I think that Portland has an will have an interesting problem that the 76ers kind of had um, last offseason. And I, by that, I mean this. I remember before the uh, free agency frenzy last July, I had a conversation with Woj about um, the 76ers' future plans. And he said to me, do you realize that the Sixers have the conundrum of re-signing J.J. Redick, Jimmy Butler, <laughs> yeah, that's right. and Tobias Harris? 
and they essentially chose to buy Tobias Harris over JJ and Jimmy, and then they overpaid Al Horford, some could argue. When you look at Portland, Whiteside, Mello are two targets that they're going to have to resign. And when you look at the offseason this summer, I think that the big man position is going to be highly coveted. And by that, I mean this. Whiteside and um, what's the dude that got traded to the Cavaliers from Detroit? Drummond. Drummond Drummond and Whiteside are going to be the two. And to be honest with you, Anthony Davis are going to be the three highly coveted big men this summer. Not a foregone conclusion that Anthony Davis is returning to the to the Los Angeles right? Lakers. So, I think that this conversation about centers is going to be a superfluous flow that's going to continue to be dialogued about going into July. So, Portland, they 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 got to figure some things out and how they showcase showcase their talent. They could be auditioning Whiteside for his next contract for somebody else. And at the same time, they do have an insurance policy in Nurkic. It's going to be interesting to observe, you know, moving forward. It's been curious for sure, man. I'm 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 very curious to see how it plays out over the summer. There's so many moving parts. Uh, obviously, we've gone off on a some amazing theoreticals that I would love to see happen, but it's it's really hard to say what is the most likely at this point. I want to throw to some listener questions real quick. Uh, and and by the way, Scoop Brandon Scoopy Robinson, thanks again, man, so much for being here. You've been here. Look, a good hour with us now. We can just we look at us tangent off. We're we're going off forever on this. And thank you for your time, man. All good, my brother. Thanks for having me. Uh, so first question here from Justin B or Justin Just Blazin at Justin B Leak. There we go. Tongue tied on that one. He says, "I've been thinking this has got to be the funnest lost season I can remember. Mellow Dame exploding for all those games. Gary Trent Jr. busting loose. Hassan horsing around. Pretty fun. And then you look at the standings in his Barfurama. That's it. Not really a question. He's making it for a fair point and kind of what we've talked about already. How this has been a wild season that is not going to have a whole lot of a." Uh, uh, not a whole lot on the back end, but it's been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, and I also got to kind of mention, too, uh, shout out to Pinwood Umpire, who also brought this up. We haven't even mentioned Gary Trent yet. In all these players we've talked about, Ariza, Mello, Dame, CJ Whiteside, Nurt coming back, Gary Trent has really emerged as probably the biggest surprise on the team, in my opinion. Would you two agree with that? Ty, where are you at? I haven't heard from T.Y. over there in a while. I'm right here. I definitely agree <laughs> that Gary Trent is a big surprise. I am a... Uh... I'm not super surprised on it because I um, was really high on him coming out of the draft out of Duke, and I always thought he'd be a really good player. But I am more surprised that he took over Simons' more of the hype and more of like what we thought that we'd see Simons. I'm really high on Simons. I just think he's kind of young, and he almost – I mean, like last year was his first year, like right out of high school. And then Gary had the year of going to Duke and being around Coach K. So I think he almost has that more of that like experience. So now him coming this year is – I think more right on track. So I, uh, so yeah, for him, he's been deadly uh, scoring, and I am super stoked for his uh, like momentum going forward because I think he's going to be uh, big for the Blazers either as like a six man or as somebody. If I'm not saying they should, uh-huh. or I'm not saying I want him to, but if they somehow for some reason trade C.J. McCollum, there they can maybe is. throw Gary Trent right into that two spot and feel okay with it. But. <laughs> I'm really uh, high on Gary Trent. I love his game and what he brings to the table. And then last night versus the Suns, he was ripping balls from those Suns players. Yeah, he was getting chippy with everybody. Awesome. And then I think it was Draymond Green sent a tweet out about Gary Trent last night saying that yep. like he or that like, he fucked with them or whatever. Or yeah, whatever. <laughs> apologize for using that word, but no, no. It, it, what word? It's a duck quack. It's a good sensor that we have going for it. <laughs> no, man. Uh, I'm I, I love it, dude. Gary Trent has been amazing. Uh, and yeah, I just I love that. I have to say real quick when you when you mentioned the c- trade CJ aspect of that, I was waiting. I was kind of like, ah, oh, is he gonna say it? And when I yelled out, my I scared my dog. My dog jumped up. <laughs> so I was, that shows how excited I was. Scoop, where are you at on that, man? Uh, do you think? I mean, obviously, with I want to hear what you think about Trent's emergence this year. But uh, what does this do to CJ's value in his kind of position with the team? Do you feel anything from uh, from where you're sitting on that one? Well, for First question about Gary Trent. I have to be honest with you. I heard his. I watched the Blazers game like a couple of weeks ago, and I heard Gary Trent, and I was like, "You mean like Timberwolves? Gary Trent? What's he doing in Portland? Is he still playing?" Scoop B um, Radio. And, you know, and I have a a, a, a special um, appreciation for you know second second generation basketball players. Uh, the late Kobe Bryant, his dad, uh, Joe Jellyby Bryant, was was a was a NBA player. You look at Trey, you look at Clay Thompson, his dad Michael played on you know the Lakers championship teams uh, back in the day. You look at Steph Curry, Del Curry uh, was his dad or is his dad? 
Um, and, you know, I did some research on him. And first of all, it's amazing to me uh, that he was born in 1999. That means you guys are getting older and I'm getting younger because, like, 1999 <laughs> was when I was, like, watching basketball heavily. And, you know, this is a guy that, you know, was a, was a second-round pick, found his way. Um, and then just taking a look at his numbers, um, a little up and down, but you got to kind of attribute that to who's playing in front of him. Uh, the thing that stands out to me the most is, is that when he gets the opportunity, he plays. In 34 minutes uh, against the Orlando Magic on uh, March 2nd, uh, he scored 24 points on 9 of 16 shooting. Right. Um, and, and he's improved. You know, it, it, it's, it, I think that um, particularly he's had the, a chance to shine because Rodney Hood is out. I think that's a name that we haven't discussed a lot. Uh, Trevor Good point. Because Rodney Hood uh, was hurt, and Rodney Hood was supposed to be that key in the second unit um, that was going to make, make, pay dividends for them. So, you know, you, you look at the Orlando game where he got 34 minutes. You look at the game against the Pacers on the 27th, 41 minutes of action, scored 20 points on yeah. 7 for 15. Uh, against the Pelicans, uh, he scored uh, 15 points in, in 37 minutes. So when he gets, you know, in that 30-plus range, uh, he goes off. And um, as far as your question about C.J. McCollum, you know, for a while people were just making this argument that a guy that has ties to Ohio was going to join LeBron James in Cleveland back when he was there. But he's continued to stay there, and, you know, he signed that extension in the offseason, didn't he? Yep, yep. We, we got him uh, – we certainly got the contract going on up here, but there has been a lot of discussion, I think, because of that contract and just the overall – price tag on it and then you look at a player like Trent whose production isn't quite at CJ's level especially when we saw what CJ just did when he was uh, running the team on his own but even that's the other side of it too you see what CJ did when he's the first option and it does almost think like oh would some other team is some other team going to be enticed to say hey what if we get if if Charlotte can say hey let's get him to come run our offense over here is that worth that contract to them and would Portland suddenly have a player like Trent who produces 80% of CJ's value at 15% 15% of the cost, that kind of scenario, not those numbers exactly, obviously. But uh, yeah, it's, it's all speculation. It's all just kind of out there. And I thought it was uh, some interesting stuff coming around. But uh, that was uh, one of the, let's see, one of the questions uh, in from one of our listeners. That was, uh, oh, let's see, that was coming from Pinwheel Empire on their end. Let me actually, uh, before we let you go, Scoop, and again, thank you so much for your time here. Uh, just two other listener questions I want to mention, or well, quick shout out to at Isliak. He asked to talk about the playoffs. We've already gotten to that one. But uh, at uh, Little Ucho, at Little underscore Ucho, asked this last episode as well, and I wanted to bring this back uh, because they asked, what two former players would you want to get a beer with? Ty, you and I and uh, Oliver Maroney answered this on the last episode. Shout out to him. But Scoop, I just figured since you have such a bigger player base, and you've mentioned Ray Allen already in the episode and a number of other former players, I thought you might have uh, some interesting take on, on two players, two former players in the NBA uh, that you would prefer to get a drink with. Two former NBA players, uh, former or current, take your pick. Uh, just uh, w- if you if you could get a a drink in a conversation with any two players out there, Michael Jordan is one because I'm, I'm I I think that um, after Kobe Bryant's death and over the last month month and a half, I've just compiled a lot of research and really realized how much of a um, and I mean this respectfully. Uh, how much of a breath of fresh air Kobe Bryant was uh, for people who were diehard Michael Jordan fans. I think for as much as people did the comparison game, um, I I think if it wasn't for Michael, Kobe and LeBron would not have the shoe deals that they have. But Kobe had the influence of the next generation of guys like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Uh, When you look in an NBA team's locker room, you look at their their, their footwear and you look at their, their shoes, you see a ton of Kobe's in their lockers. Um, and, and I just really would love to sit with Michael and talk about influence and how, how, how calculated he was, who were some of his, um, who were some of his mentors? Uh, because everybody credits Michael and Kobe as their mentor, but Michael doesn't really talk about who his mentors are or were. We knew his father was a big mentor for him, but what players were Michael's mentors? So that would probably be the first person. Hmm. Um, the, the second person probably would be would be John Stockton. Oh, okay. I like Ooh, it. Ooh, okay. I would want to know how he feels 
uh, about the fact that all these young guys want to wear tight ass shorts like him now. That <laughs> 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 Memphis Tigers basketball team. That's what they. Yeah, man. There you go. <laughs> oh, nice, man. Hey, and, and good one on the Jordan answer too. When when you first said Jordan, I was gonna be like, oh, scoop, low hanging fruit there. Come on. But no, it's a very good point about kind of the influences and and uh. And yeah, and I, and I like that. I like that. Okay. Well, hey, yeah. man. Uh, thank you again for all of your time, bro. Really appreciate uh, not just the time you've given us today, but the fact that you were ready to do this a week ago. It's it's very uh, very kind of you to be so flexible. And uh, and and yeah, thank you for all the all the insight. <laughs> That's the first. Man, I, I respect what you guys are doing, and you know, I've never been to Portland. That's actually going to change pretty soon. Oh, um, dude. Yeah, I am Scooby actually, Radio. Um, I just, I'm a brand ambassador uh, with a company called Orox Leather, which is based in Portland. Okay, um, nice. I, I found a deal recently, so I, um, they're based in Portland. You may be seeing me coming around uh, in the near future, so um, when, that, when that happens, we got to do an in-person taping or something. Absolutely, okay. man. Hit us up. Let us know when you get out here. That'd be awesome. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much for your time, man. Uh, if people are looking to reach out to you on social media, you want to give them a, a tag? Yeah, follow me on Twitter at ScoopB, uh, Instagram and Snapchat at Scoop underscore B, and also make sure that you subscribe to the Scoopy Radio Podcast, which is available on all platforms, um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn app, uh, iHeartRadio, or simply by visiting ScoopBRadio.com. We've had anybody from former Blazer Jamal Crawford on to uh, Shaquille O'Neal, Charles Barkley, the voice of Siri, DJ Khaled, a bunch of people. But yeah, man, subscribe to Scoopy Radio Podcast. 2.1 million streams last year on all platforms. Yeah, that's Woo. killer. Yeah, send uh, send some of that our way. And go, go subscribe to Scoopy Radio. Thanks so much, buddy. Appreciate your time. Gentlemen, thank you for having me. Scoopy Radio. Overtime. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.